Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we continue to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album and tour by speaking to the people who played an important role in its success. We're very happy to welcome back Grammy Award-winning producer Jimmy Jam, who played a massive part in the creation and production of the Rhythm Nation album. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Kelly. So, Jimmy, we have been super fortunate to have you on the show a few times, uh, but we've never been able to delve sort of deeply into Rhythm Nation, so we're very happy to be able to uh, pick your brain about how that all came together. I was wondering if you could take us back, I guess, to like 1988, 89. Um, When did things start to come together for the new album, and did you have any idea before Janet made her way to Minneapolis that the album was going to be this marriage between socially conscious topics and then, you know, various types of love songs? No, we didn't have any idea what the album was going to be. I would say probably the summer of 88, or maybe a little bit into the fall of 88, um, we hadn't actually been in contact with Janet a, a whole lot. Um, and there was actually a bit of, um, I, I don't know whether I'd say controversy, but I, maybe a little bit of a misunderstanding about whether we wanted to do the record or not and uh, her next album. And then also, I think um, uh, we finally got on the phone uh, and she called me and she just said, hey, uh, do you guys want to do the album? And we said, yes. Do you want us to do the album? And she said, yes. And evidently there was some hold up and some politics. And, you know, when people get into your business in a way that, uh, you know, can, can kind of cause confusion, I guess. Um, and we made a couple of phone calls actually to uh, uh, we called on our side, on me and Terry's side, we called Clarence Avon. And um, uh, Clarence basically then called Jerry Moss over at A&M, the M of A&M. And uh, literally a week later, we were <laughs> getting started. So um, that was the first kind of hurdle, I guess, if you will, on, on doing it was just making sure that we had everything straight to even go make the album. And then when we started the album, um, we just knew that we were excited to do it and um, we had in our little studio in Minneapolis at the time, we had a little small studio and we had actually made a second studio out of a garage space. And, um, when Janet first walked in the studio, the first thing she did was we were actually working on the track to what ended up becoming miss you much. And she walked in and got a big smile on her face because she hadn't seen this little studio before. And uh, I just pointed to a note on the keyboard and she pressed it and that became this kind of the string part on, on Miss You Much. Um, and at that point, we had no clue. We didn't even know that the song was going to be called Miss You Much at that point. It was just a track. But my first thought about making the record was when she walked in that we were so, um, it was just so fun to be together again because we felt like we had gotten such a great relationship from from control and control was very much a getting to know you type relationship as two people just kind of, or not two people, but three people trying to get to know each other. But this was now when she walked in, it was like seeing like an old friend, like it was like, Oh, okay, here we go. And when she got a smile on her face from the track, we knew, okay, good. We're on, 
the right, you know, we're on the right, uh, going the right direction. So that's all we knew at that point, just starting off. And so that was uh, like 1988. Was that summer or fall or heading into the winter when you guys actually started recording? It was fall of 88. Okay, cool. And I wanted to ask you too, because of the success of Control, did you, Terry and Janet, feel like there was a palpable pressure or were you able to put that aside and just do your thing? We never felt any pressure at all. I understood the maybe the record company feeling pressure or maybe other people around feeling pressure for us. It was just the excitement of going and making some new music. And I think Janet felt, I don't think she felt at all, um, excuse me, nervous about anything. I think she felt, excuse me, excited about the prospect of getting back in and doing more music because she had gotten, I mean, there was an excitement in making control where she discovered her, you know, ability to write uh, songs. And so for Rhythm Nation, I think she felt like she's coming in, you know, just armed with ideas and the ability and the confidence to pull those ideas off, whatever those ideas were. And so while we didn't know exactly what they were going to be or what the direction of the album was going to be, I think she felt very empowered and very confident. I won't say the opposite of pressure, but we just didn't feel any of the pressure. And also realized in Minneapolis, we were away from any sort of, you know, people being nervous around us. You know what I'm saying? Like if people, if there were A&R people in the room or if there were record company people dropping by and wanting to hear things, that would have been a much more of a kind of a under the microscope type of thing. We were just up in Minnesota by ourselves. And I think that environment was such a very creative environment for us because it was just about us. It wasn't really about the pressure of following anything up. And I think that was pivotal to making what turned out to be a really successful album. Janet was only in her early 20s at the time of the recording. Were you at all surprised, I guess, at her desire and ability to have commentary and social commentary on the world around her and, like, what was going on? Because I know, like, nowadays, like, in 2019, a lot of young kids are being taken seriously because of, I think, just you grow up so much faster than you did back then. But she seemed to already be, like, super socially conscious. Um, Were you surprised at all by that and that the fact that it wasn't her trying to be anything like she just got it that's a good question i think that she um my my feeling was always that we had set kind of an example on control of whatever it was she was feeling or whatever it was she was thinking that was going to be the subject matter and so what happened just in the kind of natural environment of of making the album there was, you know, we watched a lot of TV and this is before social media and before the internet. So it was basically, uh, we were watching, you know, any, everything from CNN to, uh, MTV to BET to, you know, when we got control of the TV, it would be maybe ESPN or something like that. Cause we like sports, but, um, you know, it would, it was just kind of watching what the, com- the commentary of the world was at that point in time. So you'd sit and you'd watch, um, you know, the music videos that you really loved or, or whatever, but then you'd listen to the news and all of a sudden there would be, um, you know, whether it was a school shooting or gang violence or, or whatever. And it was kind of all of those things 
when you then would, you know, take a break or you, you know, go to dinner and you talk about whatever it was that you saw. And so you could have a discussion about, you know, your favorite sports team or whatever they did, or you could talk about, you know, what you just saw on CNN or a music video. And kind of all of those things kind of came together. And um, I think that was really the thing that informed what Rhythm Nation became because, you know, if you're a person that has any sort of compassion or, you know, for life or, and for people, you can't watch the things that are going on and not have a comment about it. The difference is that some people have a comment about it uh, to their friends or, or whatever, and some people are able to take those feelings and those thoughts and actually put them into songs. And that was kind of what we felt was something that we needed to do. And so it didn't surprise me that we kind of went in that direction. Um, but as it was happening, I don't think we were so aware that it was anything revolutionary or anything. We just kind of were writing about what we were seeing. And that was always our way of going about doing what we did. So we didn't think about it at the time as like, oh, well, this is groundbreaking or this is, you know, anything other than um, we had always said to her is whatever's on your mind is what we're going to write about. And that's was just the continuation of that. Who actually came up with the words Rhythm Nation? Do you remember how that kind of came down? I don't remember. I've been asked that a few times um, and I don't. I don't remember. It wasn't me. <laughs> I know that. I, it was probably her. And, um, but I just, because what I remember was being told Rhythm Nation and then thinking, I loved the idea of it. But the, the thing for me was, well, there's got to be a song, though, called Rhythm Nation. And what does that song sound like? Because that's such a powerful statement. Um, the song has to be powerful. So while there was no pressure to do that, there was definitely, um, in my mind, I remember in, in hearing it, is just my reaction was, oh, shoot, i got to come up with a song <laughs> for, for that. It's going to be really good. You know? um, and and now I remember that took, it took a little while to, to happen. But uh, um, we were, it was funny because we were just back in Minneapolis um, a while back, um, we performed with Janet uh, back there. And, but one of the things we did was we went to the old studio and we drove around the neighborhood and we, you know, that kind of thing. And we actually passed by the restaurant or what used to be the restaurant where we were eating, where the rhythm nation music idea came up. And I was funny because I was recalling that we were sitting in the, we were sitting in the restaurant. It was called Filio was the restaurant. It was an Italian restaurant. And we were sitting there and you know how music is always playing in the background pretty much anywhere you go. And I remember Thank You by Sign the Family Stone coming on. And then I remember um, hearing it and, go, and thinking to myself, oh, I love this song. And then, of course, you get back into your conversation. But for some reason, when the bridge part of that song came on with the guitar, um, I heard it like I was hearing it like a new song. And I remember going like, oh, I need to check. I need to check. <laughs> we got to go. We got to go. And I remember going straight to the studio after that and basically looping that guitar part from Sly and the Family Stone and then building the song from that. But I knew as soon as I heard it that that was kind of the basics of what the track 
for the song needed to be. Not knowing what the lyrics were yet or anything like that, but it just sounded like if you're going to talk about, you know, obviously dancing and, you know, something that's for us, you know, something that was funky like that, it didn't get any better than that song. So uh, that became the basis of it. And once that happened, once again, it's just a series of, you know, just creative ideas that go into it. But that was always the kind of divine, you know, intervention point or whatever you want to call it was just hearing that. Like I'd heard it for the first time. It was the weirdest thing. I heard the song a million times. It's probably my favorite Sly and the Family Stone song. And all of a sudden, though, to hear it in that context, it was like hearing it in a different way. And it became, you know, like I say, the, the, the roots of, of what became Rhythm Nation. Once the song was kind of decided on and you were working on it and stuff, did Rhythm Nation, uh, the album, kind of be decided upon pretty quickly? Like, did you guys then know, okay, this is going to be the album name? Yes. We knew that the album, because we knew it was going to be called Rhythm Nation. We had already at that point, already before we did the track the actual rhythm nation track we had already done what ended up becoming or the tracks that ended up becoming the knowledge and state of the world so we knew i think state of the world might have been or no the knowledge actually might have been the first one we did because the knowledge the idea of the knowledge came from uh we were in london and we there was a cab driver that had told us um, we couldn't figure out how the cabs all knew where to go. Like every cab knew exactly where to go, which was not the case in the States a lot of times. And um, we just said to the cab driver, how come you guys know every like nook and cranny and where things are? And they said, and the guy goes, oh, it's the knowledge. And we said, the knowledge, what's that? And they said, well, it's like a test that you have to take and you have to know every part of the city. And we just like the way it sounded, the knowledge just sounded cool. So the idea of that was actually born from that. And then what it ended up becoming was it fit nicely into um, State of the World was things we were watching on TV. So those things, those songs actually came first, but the idea, but sort of under the umbrella, if you will, of Rhythm Nation or what would become Rhythm Nation. We just didn't have the actual song, but we knew what the concept and the attempt of what we were going to try to do. We did know that. When you guys were working on the music, like, did you, was there a conscious decision, I guess, to kind of have, because I know some of the songs are very different, but there's such a cohesion to that album. Was that a conscious decision to make sure some of the songs, like, again, had elements that just fit with everything else? Because then at the end, you had this, like, theatrical masterpiece in a way. I'm just wondering how much of a conscious decision that was on your part, or was it you were just in a vibe and that's how the songs came out? No, the sequencing of the album, if that's what you mean, was very much deliberate. And it was one of the things we always loved to do. And, and just to point out to the listeners that um, one of the joys of working with Janet over the years was that because we had a chance to really not only craft each individual song, but also then tie them together and put them in an order so that when you listen to it, it is like a, like a movie or like a play or whatever you want to say that there's certain peaks or certain valleys, there's, you know, high points, low points, whatever. And the ability to do that and to do the little um, interludes in between the songs and all of that, was um was very important um and and so when we 
you know, I, I always said that one of the things about the album is that you could easily call the album Escapade, put all the fun, happy songs first, and then put the four uh, more socially conscious songs at the end of the record. Um, and it would have still been, you know, the same collection of songs. But the idea of doing them in the order that we did them and to put, you know, Rhythm Nation, State of the World, and the knowledge as the opener, you know, in the days of physical albums and cassettes and that, and, and then CDs, people were more prone to listen in the order that the album was, uh, of the songs and the way that they were being presented. And so it was important for us to make the point of, of the Rhythm Nation, but then you know, you have then to get the point, good, let's dance, and going into Miss You Much. Um, so, yeah, no, that was very much thought of, thought about um, in the way that we wanted people to hear the record and to put the important, not that I, all the songs are important in their own way because they all kind of weave a different story, but it was important that the opening statement be um uh, you know, kind of the Rhythm Nation statement. It's the reason the album feels the way that it does, and that was really important. But it was nice to have the ability to actually craft, in that day, whole albums, rather than, you know, a song from one person, a song from another person, that kind of thing. It was nice to be able to tie it together in a cohesive way. That was very important to us. Do you remember, like, when you guys were recording the different songs? I'm just wondering, because I, I know when you guys are in the studio, I'm sure hours go by and, and you're, you know, sort of in it. I'm just wondering, because some of those songs were so uh, dramatic and obviously lyrically uh, heavy in a way, like, you know, trying to make sure everyone understands what's happening in the world around them, was there, like, did you record all of those serious songs kind of in one batch, or did you do, like, a fun song one day, like, Escapade, and then go back to it uh, so that your brain had a bit of a break? That's a great question, Kelly. And I, wow, I have to think about that. I don't really, I don't really remember what I, what I remember. I can tell you the three songs I know that were done at the same time or in the same batch of songs was Miss You Much, uh, Love Will Never Do, and Escapade. I know those three were done, um, not lyrically, but track-wise, because there was a new drum machine that we had gotten called a SP-1200. And those were kind of the first three songs we did on that drum machine. So they were kind of done together um, or kind of with the same thought process. Not, not together like in the same day, but over the same, you know, maybe week or two uh, period of time um, because we loved the way that, that drum machine sounded. Um, but I think... I would really have to, I, I really can't recall. I, I can tell you that I, I know that the song that I remember uh, being kind of, that we hadn't done that happened directly because of, um, you know, watching uh, something on CNN was uh, the um, living in a world they didn't make. Mm -hmm. Because I remember we, I, whatever song we were working on that day, it wasn't that song. And as soon as the um, the uh, school shootings happened, um, we were watching. That was kind of an instant. Whatever we were working on, it was kind of like we got to write about this, and we and we have to write about it like right away. Like it was an immediate thing. Where some of the other songs were just kind of a result over a period of time watching something. This was just a direct 
uh, we have to write something about this, or we have to, there has to be a commentary about, about this. And we went into this long discussion about, you know, it's not the kid's fault, and they're, uh, you know, it's the adults are the ones that are messing it up, and, you know, whatever. And we went into this long discussion. Well, Terry wasn't around that day because Terry was over at putting the new Flight Time studio together where we actually mixed Rhythm Nation. So when Terry finally came to the studio, he walked into the studio with, um, you know, wallpaper samples and carpet samples and stuff for the new studio. And we were like, no, Terry, we got this idea for a song. And we go into this long, maybe half-hour explanation of what the song is. And I always say Terry's, the reason Terry is such a great lyricist is because what it takes us a, a paragraph or many paragraphs to say, he can say in a sentence. And um, so after we tell him all this stuff, he says, living in a world they didn't make. And we were like, yeah. And so then he was like, okay, great. And then he goes and writes down some lyrics and hands them to us. Maybe 15 minutes later, he's got the whole idea. And he's like, here you go, go sing. You can go sing it. And we're like, okay, cool. And then he goes, okay, so which wallpaper do you like? <laughs> it's like, Terry. <laughs> but, um, but no, that was, that was an example where that was like literally the day we saw it was the day we recorded the song. I mean, it was just, it was so immediate and so needed. Um, so I know that was kind of, that happened on its own. And, um, but like I say, state of the world and, and the knowledge, we, those were kind of done at the same, around the same time. I know that. Um, and with Rhythm Nation, like I said earlier, it's, it was just a matter of, you know, the idea was there, but we just needed the right track for it, you know, the right music for it. And, and once we, that happened, then that, then that was there. So, um, but yeah, no, they didn't all come together like that. It was just, we would do literally, I think, as you said, you know, we would do a song like, um, you know, the knowledge one day and then the next day we may have very well done, you know, escapade or, you know, it, there was really no rhyme or rhyme to it. It was just every day was just a creative day. And I think a lot of times just in general, we would go to the studio and not know what we were going to do until we actually got there. And then you just kind of let the creativity, you know, take over and kind of whatever you're feeling. If you're in an up mood, let's do an up song. If you're in a, a down mood, let's do a down song. Um, you know, it, and that's once again, the environment being in Minneapolis, being away from everybody, that's where that became so important because it was just basically going and like hanging out with your friend. And what are you going to do today? You know, when you have a friend and you just, you go over to their house, but you don't know what you're going to do, but you, but they just kind of, you know, it happens the way it happens. And so that's the kind of the, the spirit, I think, or the environment, the way that it worked for us. When you were recording some of the songs like an escapade, like a Miss You Much, I guess I'll use Miss You Much as the example, especially because I, I believe you've said in the past that that was the first song that um, she recorded for the album. Did you know right away, Jimmy, that that was going to be a hit? Like, did you know that? I always hesitate to, to know whether something's a hit. I, I, I always feel like I know if something hits me in a way, like if it if it sounds really good to me or I always feel like, um, with an artist, I, I think we always kind of look at it like, is this the song I'd like to hear this artist doing? Like if I didn't, I'm just a fan of the artist. I, I'm not in control of recording it. I'm just a fan of the artist. So if I went to, you know, back in the day, if I went to the record store, this would be the song I would want to hear this artist do. I felt that way about, about Miss You Much. I felt like 
wow, if I heard this and I was a Janet fan, and of course I was a Janet fan or I am a Janet fan, but you know what I'm saying? Like if I heard that song, I would be like, oh man, I love, oh, I love, this is exactly what I want to hear, you know? And so we had that feeling about it, but for us, it was just, it was just a song out of, you know, 12 songs or 15 songs or whatever we were going to do. It was just a song, but we did, it always had a special feeling about it because it was kind of musically sort of the balance of, of Janet in, in that she's, you know, a fun, happy person. She's also super funky. She dances super funky and it kind of had a nice, balance of all of those things it's a it's a really funky track it had a little bit of the industrial sound to it with some of the sounds that were from nasty and that came are on miss you much also so it was kind of a bridge between um control and the new album it, it was kind of it was kind of the best of all the worlds i guess um if that makes sense and so it, I, so hit, I, I don't know. I don't think we knew hit, but I think we knew that it just sounded like a great introduction into the next chapter of Janet. And just to follow up on that, like, uh, you know, I, it's still incredible to me that she had seven like hits off that album. Cause uh, not that there, I think that I actually think lonely should have been <laughs> released too, but, um, <laughs> but I'm just wondering like when you, when all was said and done with rhythm nation, uh, you know, all the singles had been put out and then you guys had those incredible records. Like, what did that feel like Jimmy to look back and be like, Oh my goodness. Like, like rhythm nation, miss you much escapade, like, you know, black hat. They all just come back to me. Like they, they all were massive songs around the world. I, it actually impacts me a lot more now, to be honest. Um, because I know how, you know, in hindsight and being away from it, it doesn't feel so much um, like our songs. You know what I mean? I mean, mean, it it felt in the moment as it was happening, it was in the moment, so you really don't realize it. It's just like you just keep putting out songs and people enjoy them, and, you know, then there's another video and and a tour and, it just was kind of, we were just so in the moment as it was happening and we were just enjoying obviously the success from it, but we really didn't have a perspective on it to look at the impact that it had. And now, so 30 years later, we look back and we see the impact of it and we can appreciate without remembering every detail or, of how it was recorded or how exactly everything happened. But just as a body of work, we can look back at it and just appreciate it. We can just listen to it and appreciate it. And, and um, so I think for me, I, I, it has more of an impact now um, for me than kind of in the moment as it was happening. I think. Okay. I was actually going to ask you this next question later, but because you're talking about this sort of looking back now, I, I want to get your perspective on this. As a fan, like over the last little while, um, I've noticed uh, when I see Janet on, on you know, in clips from her concerts or whatever she's doing where there's some sort of visual uh, of her, I feel like in her face and in her eyes, you can see that she is, uh, I feel like she's actually letting in 
the accomplishment now. Like, I feel like she's able to look back at what she's done and, and uh, enjoy it more than when she was maybe in it. And I was just wondering if you mm-hmm. agree with that, because I kind of asked Tina the same question, because it just feels like, you know, if we, both you and Tina know her so well, and it just feels like before maybe she, when she was in it, she didn't have the time to look back or she was focused on the next project coming up or what have you and trying to make the fans happy. But I feel now like even with that dancer reunion that she did two years ago at the Hollywood Bowl, like she just seems like she's letting it all come in now and not not letting it not like a, a brag situation. It's just more like enjoying the nostalgia of it. And like, yeah, you guys all did this. Yeah, I you know, like I say, it's I think it's all perspective. It's like a it's like you have a different look back at it because you're now you've evolved. I mean, if you think about how Janet has evolved and part of the reason that her story is so wonderful is because we as fans have been able to watch her evolution from a young girl striking out on her own through um, where she, where she's at now, you know? And so I, I think that, you know, it feels like, for her, she was, those were all her moments that she was living in and then expressing. So I think looking back at it now, there is an appreciation and a realization that not only personally where she feels, I think, as she should, a sense of satisfaction or a sense of pride over what she's done, but also she can look back at all of the people that she's touched either directly or indirectly from people whose careers have been uh, started or, you know, uh, you know, have happened because of her directly because of her, or maybe indirectly or from a person to a person, or when people come up to you and, and tell you, uh, tell you stories about how a decision they made in their life, was because of something that you wrote in a song or seeing you in a concert or whatever you're have a more of ability. I think as you get older, maybe to take those things in and appreciate what it is. And so, um, I remember back when we did, um, unbreakable, um, which just celebrated an anniversary (laughs) recently. Uh, when we, did that record, it was the record that I think, I don't know whether I said it or somebody said it, but I loved that it was like, you have a lot to say, but nothing to prove. I think Janet is at that point where she still has a lot to say, but she has nothing to prove at this point. Mm -hmm. Because if he just, if she could just drop the pen and drop the mic or whatever, and just go, that's it. I'm good. She doesn't want to, because she has new things to talk about in her life. And now she's a mother, which is, you know, the ultimate, um, to me. And so I just think that you look back and what you see in her is a sense of there's nothing to prove. I, so now I can just really enjoy this. Now I can enjoy these songs and these dance moves and these, um, things that were created. Um, and I can look back with a perspective where, I'm not thinking about, you know, the actual craft and all the detail that went into it. I can just listen to it as a song, like almost. And I feel the same way, by the way, when I listen back, because when Rhythm Nation, you know, with the anniversary and everything, I actually hadn't listened to the album in a really long time. And when I listened to the album, uh, I remember one of the times I listened to it recently, I remember I used to listen to that album and I would always listen to it in a sense of, 
wow, I remember when we, when we did this certain thing, or I always, always wanted to change that sound or I wish we would have done, you know, I always looked at it like I'm still critiquing the album. Like I, like I'm think I'm still going to go back and change something. And I think it was recently that was the first time I'd listened to the album. And I remember getting through the whole album and then thinking to myself, wow, I really enjoyed that because I was able to listen to it without trying to nitpick it apart or, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. I was able to just listen to it as an album, which probably makes me listen to it now a lot more the way the fans listen to it rather than someone who crafted it because, you know, in the craftsmanship of it, you're nitpicking over little things still that you could have done. Oh, that was a good decision. Oh, that we shouldn't have done that. Or we, you know, that kind of thing. And I was actually able to just listen to it as, as music and as songs and as an experience. And so I think T's maybe going through some of that now too, where it's just an, <clears throat> it's an enjoyment thing for her now. And, uh, and it's well-deserved, you know, the, whether you, a victory lap, I don't know. Some people call it a victory lap when you, when you do that, but she should do that. She should really embrace it. And the cool thing now is like I say, having a daughter or excuse me, having a son, um, I think it's, I think it's cool because now she begins to see things through Issa's eyes as Issa experiences music and has a great love of music. Um, that once again, that impact that she's having in a whole nother new generation. And one of that generations is, is hers, you know? Um, I just think that's, that's so cool. And, and why she will, you know, I think in the future continue to make, um, significant music because it's all about the inspiration and nobody inspires her more than Issa. So um, I know I'm off track a little bit, but no, that, that's that was awesome. just kind of my thought process. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and as a, a writer, uh, Jimmy, you know, for Janet and this album, like where, like, where do you see Janet as a writer in this album? Is this where she was really coming into her own with writing? Like, like what's your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I think that the craft of writing, because to me, writing is a lot of it is just inspiration. So um, it was a difference in, you know, in control where control, she would come up with the idea and she would say, you know, she'd talk about what, what her experiences were, as opposed to actually then crafting it into the song. It was much more of a, well, this is the idea. And then we would craft it into a song and she'd go, yeah, yeah, that's it. But let's say this here and let's, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The difference was now in, in, in Escapade always was one of my favorite examples where she just walked in the studio one day and she said, I think we we probably were watching a basketball game. Um, And she just said, I want to do a song that like they play at the basketball game where, you know, everybody would be up and, and, you know, and partying and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's like, okay, cool. You know, let's do that. But then it was the craft. It's like, actually, as the track is being put together, she's actually sitting in there going, no, no, go like this or do the change here or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, what about, you know, the part in the middle, uh, what if we start it like that, but it's just a string part. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it just with the string part and then have the beat drop in. And so it was, it was a difference because it was not just coming up with the ideas, but then it was actually kind of seeing the ideas through and then going, okay, give me, give me the track for that. And I'm going to, you know, do you have, do you have a melody for it? And I'm like, no, I don't have a melody, but just whatever you think. And, you know, and then she comes back the next day and I says, I was walking or whatever, you know, it, it was just, she just felt the confidence to do that. Um, 
she was just in a great, you know, just a great creative space. And, 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 you know, think about it too, is that I just in general with artists, I always say you have, um, not that control was her first album, but you have your whole life though, to make your first album because it's all the experiences that you've gone through and all of that. And all that gets put into your first album. And then, you know, when you have then an album that's really successful, it's always tough to follow that album up because you don't have your whole life to put into your second album. You, a lot of times, you know, you, you tour, which she was smart not to do on control. She didn't tour. Um, but she really, it was three years in between the albums. So she did have a chance to live life and to notice things outside of her rather than talking about herself as much, she then looked at what other people were going through. And that process was very informative for her. And then it made it when it was time to then write that next album, she had actually lived some life and was able to, you know, it wasn't the, you know, the sophomore slump or whatever you, you call it, or that follow-up pressure. None of that was really part of it. It was more the excitement of being able to, not only having ideas, but then knowing she had the ability to then follow through on the ideas. Um, and so it was, it was really, I just remember it was very exciting to do because really it was whatever she came up with. It was just, she could do it. And I, a lot of times in the studio, we would just say to her, what's the part you hear? And she'd go, well, I don't really play, but it's like, no, but play it, you know, sing it and then play it on the, on the keyboard or whatever. And then we'll figure it out, you know, from there. So, it was just a great creative time. Um, I just, I just remember just her confidence level was so high and her excitement level. And she was really, she was really proud of the, the record. I remember, um, I was thinking about this the other day with escapade, um, John McClain, who, um, was the A&R person on the project and really the one that hooked us up with Janet in the first place. Um, I remember escapade wasn't his favorite song. And I remember that he made some comments as he would make to us as, you know, you know, me and Terry, he would say to us, you know, he would say, Oh, I don't really like that song or whatever, whatever. And it was interesting because he said that about escapade. He said, I don't really get escapade. I don't really like that song, but he said it in front of her. And I, we kind of said to him, well, you know, John, that's Janet's song, you know, and whatever, whatever. And he said, well, she knows what I mean. She knows what I mean. And I'm like, no, she really doesn't know, man, because, you know, we know, but she's, this is pretty still new to her and that. And so it was, I think it was cool when the record went number one. And uh, I don't know whether we ever even teased John about that <laughs> after the fact or not, but, you know, it was just, it was just one of those where, you know, you feel like for whatever your motivations are, like you have something to prove. And I think she felt in that particular song that was, you know, a, a super fun song but also, like, I think you feel like I'm going to no, I'm no, this is a good song and I'm we're going to prove it. And the fact that it went number one and everybody loved it was vindication almost in a way mm -hmm. like, no, I, I can write songs. I know what I'm doing here, you know, so that was pretty cool. 
That's and I have to say I personally thank you for Escapade and for Janet because uh, you guys um, she performed that at the American Music Awards that year, and in mm-hmm. 1990 and like that performance is really what like ignited my love for her. Like I always you know love the Control album, but that song and that performance just brought me right to her. So I'm super happy that that song came out. And when anybody ever asks me, I'm always like my favorite song is Escapade. So there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and and just on one technical note on Escapade, Escapade is probably the song out of all the songs we've done that has the least tracks of any song it, it, because literally everything was done. It was because it was done so spontaneously um, that the idea was to always go back and redo the track for it because it's literally, uh, it's literally my left hand playing the bass line, my right hand playing the little string line uh, MIDI to another keyboard, which means the two keyboards were kind of speaking to each other. And um, that's really the whole song and all the drums are like on one track wow and i remember when we sent the song to um you know people to do remixes and stuff they said oh you sent the wrong version everything's on one track and it's like yeah that's the way we record it you know <laughs> it was like literally let's do it and then we'll go back and fix it later and we never fixed it so <laughs> that's uh, i was thinking about that the other day but escapade only has you know in these days of recording you know 100 tracks or you know whatever you can do um, that for the actual track of Escapade might have maybe been five tracks, and oh that's it. God. Now, vocally, there's a ton, there's a million tracks of vocals on there, but uh, but the actual track, the actual music, is only maybe five tracks. On wow, it. I had no idea. Um, I wanted to ask <laughs> yeah. you too because you and I have had this discussion before uh, with the Janet album, but I want to know when it came to singles and what was going to be the first single. Like, was that an easy choice on Rhythm Nation? Like, knowing which one was going to go out first. Yeah, we felt Miss You Much was was the one. And, I, you know, it was interesting, too, because as I was talking earlier about, you know, the fact of getting the, the I almost say a privilege now, to get to do the whole album. When we made the album, we never had to think in terms of let's make a single. It was just let's make as many great songs as we possibly can. And at the end of the day, one of those songs will raise its hand and go, I think I should go first. <laughs> and that was the case. That's awesome. And that was the case on with Miss You Much. Like it, because it was the first song, maybe because it was the first song she heard when she walked in. At least the track was the first track she heard when she walked in. But for, throughout the album, it was always just the song that it just made sense. And when it was done, I don't know, it just made sense for for all the reasons we talked about earlier it just was that funky but happy but had a bridge from control it was up tempo it you know it was dance it was you know it was all those things i don't know it just it was catchy you know it just it just had um you know what i used to say on american bandstand had a good beat and you could dance to it or whatever you know it was i don't know it just had it had all the elements that just made sense um for the first single and did you have any idea at that point, Jimmy, that like you guys were going to release seven of these things? Like how <laughs> or did it just keep going? Like, how did you guys know that it was going to be all those like separate singles and that you'd have that many? We didn't know. We knew Rhythm Nation. I think we had thought through Rhythm Nation as the second single. Um, but that was as far as we thought. And then after that, it was just, you know, Escapade was, you know, because by that point in time, you do begin to get the feedback from people on what they like, you know, radio stations start telling you, you know, we, we think this is the song and, you know, whatever. So Escapade being the next one date, um, since 
Um, and then, you know, it was just kind of record company decisions after that. Um, and, you know, along obviously in, in collaboration with Janet, because Janet really had a, a pretty clear cut, you know, viewpoint of where she needed to be next or what she desired to happen next. And um, the record company really listened to her. And the other thing that I realized on that record, although I, I wasn't aware of it when we made the record, because I wasn't aware of all the business that was going on, but um, that was contractually her last record for A&M Records. And A&M really was motivated to do a really great job in you know promoting the record and making sure that everybody had a chance to hear it. Um, because they were, I mean, she was basically a free agent at that point and could go to any label, and they wanted to keep her at A&M Records. And so I think it also motivated them to, you know, go seven singles deep, but make sure that they all got the proper attention uh, that was needed. And I wasn't even aware of that until maybe in the last uh, couple of weeks in speaking to, um, you know, Al Cafaro and some of the people that were back in, in that day that were there when those records were coming out. And they were telling me that, you know, no, we wanted to keep Janet and we were going to make sure we did the best job we possibly could to make sure that that happened. Oh, wow. Okay. And I have to ask you too about um, Black Hat because she gets credited obviously as like the writer on that. How did that song come about? And, and again, it was like, it's, it's, it definitely fits with Rhythmation, like the album as a whole, but there's obviously this super like, like rock star element to it. Uh, were you surprised that that was a song that was going to come out of Janet? Yeah, Black Cat was interesting because um, we were kind of, at that point, we were kind of up against it. That was, Black Cat might have been the last song that we did. And um, so deadline-wise, we were pretty much against it. And um, I remember that was when she came in with the idea, and I think that was part of the reason that Jellybean Johnson got involved with the production on that song in Janet did the production along with Jellybean was because we were in the process of trying to get the album mixed and we loved the idea of the song and, and what it was and ended up playing on it. And that was one of the songs I mentioned John McClain earlier. Uh, John McClain, uh, who's the A&R person actually ended up playing guitar on that, on that song. And when we did it, I remember the first time we recorded it, we just did it through, um, we didn't use amplifiers. We did it through, um, uh, it's hard to explain, but basically you can plug a guitar straight into the, your soundboard and do everything that you need to do. And he said, I remember John McClain said, well, no, it doesn't sound enough like a rock song. You need to actually put it through amplifiers and then mic the amplifier. So then I remember we brought in, remember Jellybean brought in these big Marshall amps and the whole thing. And we didn't really have the room to do it, but we were like, okay, let's just create this almost this arena space, if you will, uh, and mic these uh, amplifiers and do it the way that, you know, the rock records were being done back then so that it had an authentic, uh, authenticity to it. Um, and then the other piece of it was Janet. We said to her, you know, you can't sing this. You got to sing this really rough and, you know, whatever. And she was like, oh, no, I got it. I got it. And she went in and just killed the vocal on it. It was so good. And, uh, and then Terry and I and Bean and a few other guys, I remember we're singing like the last chorus of the song. We're just yelling, Black Cat Nine. So we're on there singing, which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. And it was, 
you know, once again, that, that piece of the album that was needed. And I love that she had gotten to the point where, and, and once again, A&M Records on, on their behalf had gotten to the point where they were really willing to roll the dice, I guess you could call it at that point, and go, no, let's, let's roll with this. Let's, let's, let's do this. And, um, and obviously the result was, was great. But now once again, it, it just speaks to like I was saying earlier about her confidence and knowing that if she came up with an idea, she could do it. She could pull it off. And uh, there's something very empowering about that, you know, when you kind of feel your, you know, you feel yourself. You feel like, oh, no, I can do this. I can do this. And she was very confident about it. She was like, no, no, I, I hear it. I, I want to do this. It's like, great, do it. Let's, let's go. You know, and wow. so I'm glad it turned out. Yeah, so and uh, I have to ask too because you mentioned um, her sort of knowing her vocal, vo- like how she was going to nail that song. When it comes to her vocal range, like how how much do you guys have to be aware of that when you're writing songs for her? Because like her range is sick. Like Miss You Much, she goes super high, yes. um, and then but then like on Level Never Do, she's actually singing lower before she gets into like the chorus and stuff. So like it must yep. be awesome to have that 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 um, range play. It is amazing, and you know what was cool about it was uh, going back to control real quick. When we first did Nasty, um, and she went in to sing it, she started singing it in in an octave higher. She started singing it in what her I guess her natural voice would be. So she was started singing "Sipping in the Movie Show," and we were like, um, "Hey, sing it an octave lower. Can you sing it an octave lower?" And she was like in the movie she said you sure and it's like well no but let's just try it let's just try it well what i liked about that and there was a lot of moments like that on, on control and really on all the albums but she never was really afraid to try things she was always like okay let's let's try it and of course when she heard it back she didn't like it but then we said okay but Give us a day to give us a day to, to get the vocal together, to comp the vocal, right? To take all the best vocal parts and put them together. And then I remember we played it uh, nasty back for her like the next day after we had put the vocals all together. And she kind of looked and she was like, mm, "I don't know." And it's like, "Come on!" I said, "That's so funky." And she was like, "Okay, if you think so." It's like, "Okay, yeah, trust us, trust us." And so that was the thing. So the great thing about those kinds of experiences is then when you get to, you know, Rhythm Nation and you say, you know, this song you got to sing, you know, totally raspy, totally, you know, for Black Cat or for Love Will Never Do. Yeah, we sing this an octave lower. It's like, it's natural. It's like, okay, let's let's do it because we already know that it, it worked before and let's give it a try. But we weren't afraid to try things and she wasn't afraid. And... I got to say, as a, as a songwriter and as a producer, there's nothing better than that because there's nothing that's off limits. Because, you know, if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. And we just don't do it. We can, you know, Terry always says a lot of nice things. We just keep right to ourselves. We don't, uh, we, they just don't come out because it didn't come out correctly. Um, but, it, yeah, I mean, there's something that's so um inspiring to me as a as a songwriter and producer to have an artist that just is willing to do any or try anything and be confident about it and we have a level of trust with each other now where i i think and we we did back then by at that point too where you just feel like yeah let's try it you know if it works it works if it doesn't work it you know it doesn't work but let's just do it you know 
So it, it, it worked out really well. Was there a song at the time when you guys were doing the album uh, that you just loved the most out of all of them, Jimmy? Or were they all important? I know they're all important to you, but was there one that when you finished the album, you're like, that's my jam? That's a great question. Um, I, no, I, I don't think... I think I liked all the songs for different reasons. And, and once again, it, in the moment of doing it, I mean, you just kind of like all the songs. Um, I remember probably, and, and, and I don't know how much of it is looking back on it now, um, but, the, but and you mentioned it, I think, earlier is Lonely, the song Lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that song just because of the elements in it. I like the, you know, acoustic guitar. I like, the, and I like the message of what the song says. Um, I don't. I, I I think that's probably certainly one of the. Uh, I wouldn't say it's an underrated track, but it's it because it wasn't one of the singles. You know, it was it was just as kind of the song on on the album. But I know a lot of people that really love that song. Um, so I really I really do like that. And I also like. I realized when I heard it the other day. I really like Come Back to Me a lot. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because the live strings on that song, um, that was Janet's idea. She, when we were done with the song, or we thought we were done with the song, she just said, don't you think strings would sound really great on the song? And I remember thinking, hmm, no, it'd be okay, I guess, but not, you know, I just, I just never thought of it like that. And then um, there was a gentleman in, in Minneapolis named Lee Blasky. He was a string arranger. And I remember we sent him the song and we just said, hey, can you do something, you know, come up with a string arrangement for this song? And I said, I don't really know what you want to do exactly, but, you know, just go ahead and do it. And so he came up with this beautiful arrangement. And uh, it turned out that to me now when I listen to the song, it's like, it totally makes the song like the song wouldn't have been the song without that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I say, you know, it's, it's such a collaborative process that, you know, to have that one idea to just say, I think strings would sound good on it. Okay, great. And let's, and let's then just do it. And, um, so that, that's another one to me that I just love hearing it now. When you look back at Rhythm Nation, Jimmy, where does it sit for you? Like what, like, I, I mean, like when I say Rhythm Nation, what does that mean to you? What does that feel like, uh, especially knowing that you guys crafted such an amazing album that won so many awards, you know, spawned seven singles and is still talked about 30 years later? I, you know, it's definitely, uh, it almost sounds trivial to say a highlight, but it's definitely a highlight. I mean, we've been fortunate to have a, a whole lot of them. Um, but to me, the best thing that music does is that when it touches people in a way where it uh, can change their life or to make their lives better in some way. And because that album seems to have done that for many people, um, I hold it in the highest regard, not because of the craftsmanship of it or whatever, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a good album. I think it's, I think it's one of our best, uh, certainly pieces of work that we've done. But more importantly, it's just the way that it's affected people. And uh, that to me is always the, the, I always say music is the divine art. And that's what I mean by that, is that there's an ability to touch people with music in ways that you don't even perceive when you're doing it. For you, it can very much be about a, you know, a chord change or a, uh, you know, modulation or a production element or whatever. 
But at the end of the day, the, the overall effect is to really change people's lives. And if you can do that in a positive way, then that's really the, the reason to me that you're kind of put here to do music. And I think Rhythm Nation is definitely one of those records that for a lot of people have done that and continues to do that. That's the nice thing about looking back on it now is that you see the effects of it today. And when people go back and listen to it and it takes them back to that point in their, uh, in their, in their upbringing or whatever it is. I mean, that, that's a, a very cool thing. And so, um, I don't know. I, I feel, um, I feel, I feel really good about it. And I, and I, I it's, it's an album that definitely I'm, I'm happy to be involved, to have the privilege of being involved with for sure. And uh, you, you mentioned before that you got to hang out with Janet recently back in, in Minneapolis. And I'm just wondering, like, what was that like to not only uh, be back on stage with her? Because I know it had been a while since you and Terry had done that with her, but then also to go and visit the studio. Like, I can only imagine the flood of emotions that that must have kind of been, you know, the roller coaster ride, I guess, for a little bit there. Yeah, it's still it, it was very surreal to go back because the the studio where we actually recorded Rhythm Nation is now like a home improvement uh, place. But the people that own it uh, knew that we used to be there, and they basically left all the walls are still intact as they were when it was a studio. And so it was really interesting. Um, there was always a story I uh, tell about um, Janet uh, stealing uh, What Have You Done For Me Lately <laughs> from us, from, from, the, from what was going to be the Janet Lewis album at the time. But it was interesting that I told that story, but in standing in the place uh, that that it actually happened uh, was interesting because Janet didn't even really remember. And I said, Janet, do you remember there was a TV here? There was a couch here, whatever. And she said, Oh yeah, I do remember that. And I said, okay. I said, so you were sitting on that couch and watching TV. And I played the song and literally the doorway that you came and leaned in and listened is this doorway that we're standing in now. So it was interesting to relate the story that I always tell, but then have her back in the place that it happened. And it all kind of, kind of came back to her. Um, so that was cool. And even the little studio we built uh, where the garage uh, was, the actual doors, there were these big sliding glass doors that we had, I remember we spent all this money on to, to soundproof it. Those doors are still there. And so when we walked into that studio and she slid those doors and it was, they're tough to slide. And she said, oh my God, she said, I remember this. She said, I never could slide these doors. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. So all of those things were, were kind of cool to, to experience that. And then when we went to the newer flight time, which is where we actually mixed uh, Rhythm Nation, so it was recorded at the old flight time, mixed at the new one, um, or the later flight time, um, everything there was still intact uh, pretty much. I mean, the speakers, all the equipment is gone because they're te actually tearing that building down and they're going to make it into, uh, I think, housing uh, units or something. But um, but they, everything in the studio, so like – all of the stuff was still there and that was kind of cool in a different way. Um, you know, knowing that that's going to be torn down. So you're not going to see that again. So it was very cool to be back in those spaces and where the places she sang and a lot of, a lot of great memories and, and all of that. And then, you know, and actually it was when, when we were standing there, that's when she said, would you come and perform, you know, lately with me? Because we hadn't, that wasn't in the plan when we went up there, the oh, plan wow. was, just to, yeah, the, the plan was just to go up and and look at the look at the studio, go back to the studios, um, and then that was it. And then she said, "Hey, what, what do you think about performing?" And it's like, "Uh oh," it's like, "Okay, <laughs> sure," but we but we hadn't um, 
I don't think we honestly, I don't think we had ever really performed with her. I, I don't, I mean, probably since the record was done. I mean, we, cause we did you know, obviously the control video and then, you know, the performance on the Grammys. Mm-hmm. But as far as like concert stuff, we hadn't performed with her really. So it was very much a first. And, um, but it was great to do it in Minnesota. It was a lot of, you know, family there and, and that. And, you know, and she acknowledged to just the role that Minnesota played in her, you know, in her career. And I think it was just it's such an appropriate place to to do it, and a, and a great uh, a great thrill. It was it was a lot of fun. We had a we had a great time. And uh, before I let you go, I did want to ask you. You know, so many Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis fans. Uh, what are you guys working on right now that you can maybe tell us about? I know there's supposed to be an album coming, so I don't think that's a surprise. But we're super excited to hear whatever <laughs> you're doing. Yeah, no, the Jam and Lewis album is um, it is coming. Uh, it'll be 2020 uh, when it comes. Um, but we're really excited about it. And, you know, we're just taking our time. The way we feel about it is we actually, the, the, the album really started, um, you know, back, as I said earlier, kind of what we've done for me lately was really for the Jam and Lewis album. And, and Janet ended up taking it. Um, and, and obviously it worked a lot better for her than it ever would have worked for us. So we, no problem with that. Um, but we're finally now, back into the mode of doing our own album. And, and just as we kind of check things off the boxes that we haven't done, that's something we've never done. We've never done our own album. So um, we're excited about doing it. Um, a lot of great artists on it, Janet being one of them. And the Janet song, I think, is one that people will really love. And um, so we're excited about that. Um, and that's really, that's right now, that is really our focus, okay. is to get that album done, to make it as good as it can possibly be. Because... Even though we're, I always say we're old, we'll be like the best new artist, the oldest best new artist probably, but there's no rush. I mean, we only have one opportunity to put out our first album, so we want to make sure that it's, that it's special and that people uh, really enjoy it. So that's what we're working on right now. Perfect. Well, I can't wait for you to come back on the show and talk all about it when it's when it's done. And um, I just again want to thank you. It's always like the the best Christmas present every time you join me on the show to talk about what you guys produce together for Janet. So uh, again, on behalf of the fans, just thank you so much. It really it's just it's like the best history lesson ever to sit here and listen to you talk. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Kelly. I appreciate you having me on. That's Grammy award-winning producer Jimmy Jam, and again, you can follow him on Instagram at Flight Time Jam. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week and a big shout out to our producer Adam Brisson for keeping us on the rails. Keep in mind that The Kelly Alexander Show is available on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. If you have a chance to take the time to rate us, we'd appreciate that very much. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.